Welcome. I'm Lorraine Nolan Card, leadership expert. And I'm Adara Angelusi, marketing queen. And this is the Women Leading Change podcast. We amplify the voices of women change makers from around the world who share with us personal insights and inspiring stories. So you too can evolve your own leadership skills, grow your paradigm shifting business, and market your mission with confidence. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Susan Blanchette. Susan is the founder of Origin Air. She founded it in 2019 to produce plant-based commercial air purifiers. Her 14 years leading high-stakes negotiations and litigations teams while running a real estate company positioned her well for the role of CEO. And as CEO, she has raised over $2.5 million filed key patents, launched several pilots across BC, and gained traction for sales across Canada with Origin Air installations in BC, Alberta, and Toronto. She leads a team of seven at Origin Air and has created vital sales channels and distribution partnerships to scale Origin Air's purification technology quickly across North America and the globe. Origin Air is the recipient of multiple awards, including the 2022 Chamber Innovation Award, Douglas Tend to Watch, the International Beyond Crisis High Level Forum Award, Rocket Builders Emerging Clean Tech Rocket, and they filmed Dragon's Den in 2022. Susan is passionate about giving back to her community, which she's done for 15 years as a volunteer soccer coach and through raising funds with her three sons to purchase land and build a school in Cambodia in 2018. Susan has spoken on over 50 clean tech panels and has just been chosen to represent North America and Europe as the 2023 We Empower United Nations Sustainable Development Goals Awardee. We're in for a treat. Listen in as I interview Susan Blanchett. Thank you, Susan Blanchett, for being here on the Women Leading Change podcast. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, Lorraine. Thank you. Well, we just met recently, uh, or virtually, and I am super curious to find out about this incredible business that you've started, uh, founded in 2019 called Origin Air. Uh, we're going to talk about the origin of it, uh, the story behind it, and how you've grown it uh, to such an incredible venture so quickly. So let's dive right in. Um, first of all, tell us what is the change that you're creating? What are you creating uh, in the world right now, Susan? The company started four years ago, and it started out of an idea to clean air. But really, it also encompasses something that along the journey, I realized was my passion from the beginning. And that was not only to create a healthier indoor environment for people, which I'll dive into a little bit more. Uh, but also my big goal is to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases that we are producing in buildings. So that's kind of the long-term vision where I want to control the air in a building by integrating my genetically enhanced pothos IV that can metabolize toxins in the air with an HVAC system so that we can start to recirculate air in a building instead of just pumping it in 
heating it and cooling it, which is where the energy costs and, and losses are coming. And right now it's just being sent right back outside again. So it's like a bathtub without a plug. Wow. And our buildings now represent 39% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So to hit our Paris Accord goals, mm-hmm. buildings have to be one of our main focuses. Amazing. Well, you're a former lawyer um, and you were in environmental law, correct? Yeah, I was an attorney for the province of British Columbia for 14 years. My passion has always been anything to do with environmental law. I did more than that um, Mm -hmm. while I was there, but I practiced a lot in the area of contaminated sites. I was also on the climate action team as the legal representative so both aspects, you know, toxins in our environment and reducing our carbon footprint are passions of mine. Mm-hmm. And what brought you to, well, first of all, what is Origin Air? Tell us in a nutshell what it is. So Origin Air creates air purifiers, but we don't do it in the traditional sense. We have combined traditional air purification, which is air passing through MERV or HEPA-like filters with these incredible super plants that we discovered in 2019. So the plants we use is really our secret sauce Mm. and they were genetically enhanced with a liver enzyme. So the easiest way to think about it is the same way that your liver works to clean your body. That's how our plants work to clean the air. And when I found these plants, I did the the University of Washington is where they were developed and they had done studies and determined in these laboratory studies that regular plants do not remove toxins from the air. So it was really exciting to find genetically enhanced plants that could remove in laboratory 82 to 100% of the specific volatile organic compounds, which are toxins that cause disease over time. Uh, from the air. So we've combined traditional air purification. Air is pulled into the bottom of our purifier, passes through two filters, and then it passes through our biofilter. But we've also added air quality sensors. So what you can measure, you can manage, Mm -hmm. and you can also earn environmental social governance points for sustainability in your commercial building. Incredible. And so you've done all of this in the last four years, researching, finding the plant, the the bio filter, as as you call it, for this device. And now you, you've rolled it out to, I think, at least three provinces now, British Columbia, Alberta, and now into Ontario. Is that right? Yes. 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 We've got, we just did a big install for TELUS in Toronto at their Harbor property, right downtown 25 York Street. And we did another big installation in their Burnaby brand new facility where we put in 10 units. So it's pretty exciting to be able to start to get into some of these large corporates and bring their clients and their staff fresh air Mm, incredible 82 percent of toxins being um, filtered through this device 
it of course depends on the toxins in the environment. Okay. So in the laboratory, we used very high levels of benzene, which is what comes out of car exhaust, and also chloroform, which is a gas that's formed when you heat water. Mm. Um, our plants can also remove when you cook with oil or the off-gassing from carpets, glues, paints in new wow. buildings. So in the laboratory, it's much higher levels of toxins. Okay. So we've determined that as the toxin levels increase, the plants actually metabolize more quickly. Mm. We've done a recent field pilot project uh, with support from both the federal and provincial government. And in those studies, we found a 40% removal rate. And then we compare that to wild plants. So the same version, you know, we use pothos ivy. So we do a test for a two-week period with wild plants in our air purifier, mm -hmm. and then a two-week test with the genetically enhanced plants. Wow. So that's an increase. We, and we found in both studies, the, the wild type plants didn't remove any of the toxins mm -hmm. and the GE plants removed, well, in the field, 40% better air from, from the plants alone. And, you know, the other really interesting finding we found in a, in a lead platinum building in Vancouver, because oftentimes when I started the company and I was pitching to investors or corporations to sell sell the product um they they would be oh well vancouver we're in bc we have the best air in the world ah I, and we've shown you know and this was even a surprise to myself our pre-filters so our merv filters we have two in each air purifier and they're large mm -hmm. they're um two foot by two foot filters and they're all pitch black all eight of them in this study were pitch black in under two months and wow. that's the you know the top level building you could have. So I think I think the recent wildfires have also shown that maybe we don't have the best air in the world. And just because mm -hmm. you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And this is what people would be breathing right for having a localized air purifier. Because we we put our air purifiers where people gather. Like that's where you want to clean the air in an additional way. Mm -hmm. to what the HVAC system can do. Right. Well, this is incredible. And I think that there's a really interesting origin story about why you came to do this. Um, and it has to do with a family member, right, who was impacted by toxic air. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, while I was practicing law years and years ago, my father was diagnosed with early onset dementia. and at the time, he was only 51 years wow. old. You know, I'm almost that age. That's right. That's it, young. Very young. It is, it's young. And, you know, anyone who's been impacted by that disease knows it's it's not fun for anyone, especially the person affected, but also all of the family members. So at the time, I was practicing environmental law, and my brain would just get working on you know, I can't prove this was because of toxic air because it moves and it's invisible. And in environmental law, you need to prove duty of care and causation. And the tests to win right. in court are too stringent. And 
you know, my father had been a civil engineer, spent most of his career designing and working in wastewater treatment, notoriously bad air. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and super healthy, ran every day, ate healthy. There was no genetic markers. It had to have been from air quality. Um, and recently in, in China, there was a 19-year-old diagnosed with dementia. Wow. Case ever. And he is from one of the most chemical producing cities in all of China. Wow. Uh, and as a lawyer, you know, I look to the statute law, if regulations, there's just no regulations surrounding safe, minimal levels for volatile organic compounds in Canada. And, and, and even in the States, like the Environmental Protection Act in the U.S. is a bit stronger than any of the Canadian laws. Okay. But it's just not something I could see myself succeeding at in court. Mm -hmm. So also... I've always been an entrepreneurial minded and I don't think I really realized I was an entrepreneur until I I took the leap. But now that I'm here, it dawned on me, like I've always been an entrepreneur. What was I doing being a lawyer? Because I'm, I'm a yes person. I want to find a solution where a lot of law is saying why we can't do this, where I, I want to find out how we can. So I tried to switch to a more proactive way of making change. So now instead of fighting a hard fight that mm -hmm. in my legal opinion would be very difficult to prove, I decided to start a company where I could actually affect change by cleaning the air that we're breathing. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. And I think that, that the fact that you had already done 14 years of environmental law, no doubt informed your your process as you were creating Origin Air, um, you're, it's an incredible story. And I think that it is cutting edge. It's being identified as cutting edge by awards and recognition in the field. You just received an, a new award. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I actually just got off my first call with them. And um, one of the other awardees were there. And I think we both had you know, the largest grins on our face, because it's such an opportunity. And really something that I've dreamt about since I was a uh, probably since I started my first environmental group in grade nine. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's a, I think, tying into entrepreneurship and kind of the grit that it takes, not just myself, but my entire team to continuously move forward. In In the first year, we probably applied for you know, a hundred different things and we received maybe 5% of them. So as just to not give up, like to keep going and keep pushing forward. So I, I really do have to thank my team who helped me to put together an application um, to win this award. I couldn't have done it without them. Um, but it's um, called We Empower. And it's a United Nations Sustainable Development Goal Challenge. And I'm lucky enough, thanks to my incredible team, to be the first Canadian to win this award. And I'm representing North America and Europe. Wow. And five, five awardees from all over the world. And we are going to Climate Week 
in New York City in September. Yeah, we get to pitch to a room full of incredible change makers. Mm -hmm. We get to be panelists. And we also, I just found out today, I might get to meet Jane Goodall, which is obviously (laughs) one of many females that I look up to. Um, But there's people at it that it's just an opportunity to share what we're doing as well as collaborate with all these other incredible female founders. Oh, it's fantastic. Wow. Well, congratulations on that and so much more that you've been creating. You mentioned funding and uh, applying for things. I think you mean grants and funding. Um, So let's talk about that. Is that one of the challenges? I know it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what it's like as a founder, a female founder, uh, with uh, the funding, the grant applications? What, What do you have to say about the challenges around that and how you've been managing that? Yeah, I think I'm I'm lucky that I have the legal background to assist with it in some ways, but even that is not enough, but it makes me maybe in a future career want to help young female founders because it's a challenge. Um, There's still a lot of conscious and unconscious bias towards females in especially in technology but even across the board I think I mentioned to you uh, and there's a lot of incredible female-led organizations working on this but VC funding goes to less than two percent of female-led companies and I'm sure it's even lower for companies that have only female founders and it would be even lower for women of color or women who are lgbtq oh there's so many barriers like i think i don't i'm probably one of the more fortunate female founders to get maybe 1.5 percent of it the other 0.5 percent of this or less is going to any other diverse female founders so it it needs to change Mm -hmm. um and there is some incredible investors that are working to change it, uh, but we need more women in investing and taking a part in funding female-led companies. Because mm-hmm. I know for many, it's a struggle to survive. And um, usually when women, we're, we share a lot, women entrepreneurs. So when we get in a room, very quickly we start talking about the challenges and it's across the board it's not just one of us um it's all of us and the only way you can really do it is to take a attitude of i'm never going to give up (laughs) and keep pushing and looking at alternatives like i never stick to just one area of funding Mm -hmm. um i've gone to private individuals uh, I've actually only taken some funding from one angel group out of Toronto uh grants there's so many grants available out there and you just have to keep looking for the different little areas and where someone's willing to assist at the same time it takes that takes a lot of time mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the funding we've got has been you know, months, if not years of work to right. get. So yeah. you have to kind of 
Reach out to your community, connect with other women, I'd say is the first step so they can help you to not reinvent the wheel and know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and also know your worth and stand up for yourself. I know in the end, the the group in Toronto, you know, they they were wonderful. They wanted me to do a big, long process and pitch competition, which I've already done many, many of those. Mm-hmm. Um but they, I said, hey, if you're interested, let's have a conversation. Like, I don't have the time to go through right, 10 weeks of pitch competitions. And I kind of just put my foot down and said, if you're interested, let's talk. Wow. And I think that's really important for women founders to do. Remember that you're driving the conversation. Like, they're not at early stage investing in the idea. They're investing in you as a person show them you mean business you're going to get it done I think that's a really good first step great advice and then you know maybe advice that's a little bit more from the from the hard side of things there are investors out there that want too much of your company and will try to take advantage so stick to your gut. Like Mm -hmm. if somebody wants too large of a percentage or wants seats on your board of directors and they're barely putting in any funding, Mm -hmm. make sure you ask what they're bringing to the table as well, um, which is extremely important. You want investors who are going to be with you for the long term and be great advisors and help you in the areas that you don't have expertise. Right. Really, really good to know. Yes, thank you. Um, on that note, you went to Dragon's Den. <laughs> yes, I didn't see that episode. It's, it's How was that? <laughs> well, uh, I would say I made the dragons a little mad, mainly because I was in the middle of a round. I'd already raised three quarters of the investment, and I'd raised it at a certain percentage. Yeah. So I, I only could offer them a very small amount at a very high uh, valuation. So well, it might they might be an example of very great advice, uh-huh. but also wanting a lot of your company for not that much money. And I wanted to stand up and you know, be an example to entrepreneurs that you can go in, you can do a great job, you can showcase your company. It doesn't matter if they get upset because they can't get a big enough piece of the pie. Just stand up for yourself and do what you want to do. And there was great advice from them as well. I, I'm i supposed to be filming Dragon's Den again, actually, um, as kind of like, where are you now? Sure. And one of the great things that came out of that show um, was... You know, Michelle said people aren't going back to the office. Like it's never going to be a hundred percent full like it was pre-COVID. And and that's a very right. valid point. Right. Um, I still think there's well, I, well, I know that what people are doing in offices are coming back on certain days. Mm-hmm. And when they're coming back, they're gathering. And when they're gathering, they're very concerned with air quality. So there's still a space in the B2B market for originaires, purifiers to be where people gather. Mm-hmm. But what, what that advice, if you're willing to hear it, even when it's uncomfortable, 
it can always help you to grow. So we're coming out with a home product in in the spring of 2024. And that idea was always percolating in my mind, uh, but it kind of solidified it with not only Dragon's Den, but with almost every time I tell someone about my product, they want one for their home. Right. Inside their bed or in their kitchen where they're cooking on a gas stove that has volatile organic compounds or at their home office. So we listened and now we're coming out with a new home version that's affordable that everyone can have. Amazing. And it's a beautiful installation. I understand that it's a cross between science and art and uh what was the other piece? Functionality? I'm not sure. I think it was nature. Nature, yeah. of course. If you go into many buildings, um, you, you, you're you you're going to have a hard time finding nature. Right. Most, most of the plants and buildings now are not real. Right. They're, they're plastic plants. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing we're, we're missing as humans is that connection to nature. Mm-hmm. The beginning of my Dragon's Den pitch um we ask them to like close their eyes and imagine their happy place and whenever I do that 90% of the people in the room are outside or in nature yes Robert was just talking about money (laughs) (laughs) but I think also we represent kind of a, a changeover in how business is done it's not about money anymore right if you don't have a business that is you know prop profit, people, and planet. Mm -hmm. I just think that's where there's a place for business in the future. If we're going to change the way that our world is moving towards fires and no rain for months, I actually, I think it's rained two or three days in Victoria since March. Right. I know. We have to think about people and the planet at an equal level to profit. Mm And and your installation serves all three functions. Um, so why not? You know, it's it's incredible. Um, so what is the future for Origin Air? Well, the home unit is one part that I really wanted to do because when I started the company, oh, I wanted to do something that could be for the every person, not just for people with a lot of money. And unfortunately, the first unit, um, partly because of the pandemic, uh, I became a manufacturer. So wow. I had to build this myself. I have a manufacturing facility and it's expensive. Yeah. And I'm sure once I outsource this, which I'm in the process of doing now, I can get the price point on it down. Mm-hmm. that it can go to maybe a home living room if it's a little bit smaller. But I'm really excited about the home unit because I always started this out to be for the every person. So I want I want to hit that first where I can bring clean air to everybody. And then my my big goal, which excuse me, huh. which will take um a lot more time and partnerships is to clean the entire air in a building. Mm. The outset, I said, our buildings create 39% of our GHG emissions. That has increased immensely since COVID. During the pandemic, they didn't know what to do. So they just doubled the air exchanges. Oh, 
buildings are just pulling in more and more air. And in Victoria, you don't think about it as much because the weather is a bit more even. Mm -hmm. But in cold places, we're looking at warming it and yeah. heating it and cooling it, which is extremely expensive. Right, right. So we've doubled our air exchange, which which says what to our emissions? When Double emissions. Every time you pull in air, you have to heat it, which costs energy, or air condition it, which costs even more energy. Mm-hmm. And then we aren't retaining that air. It's just getting the hot air or cold air is just getting sent right back outside. Wow. What we want to do, what my big dream is, is to have these beautiful biofilters that are more like a biosphere mm. on, on the rooftop where you could go have lunch. Right. While you're having lunch, the air from the building is being recirculated through that space. The plants are metabolizing the toxins. Of course, we would have to partner with some more you know, robust HVAC system. Mm-hmm. And we've also patented a UVC LED chamber that can denature viruses and bacteria. That's still in testing because mm-hmm. there's lots of regulations around that, which is great to prove like what level of bacteria or viruses you're actually removing. Mm-hmm. But then it could be a multi-barrier approach, which right. is really our approach is we don't want to just take out the dust, the dirt, the particles, which is what HEPA filters do. They, they're they very good at removing particulate matter in the parts per million, but the volatile organic compounds are in the parts per billion. They're actually gases. They're formed when the floor is heated or you cook or the car exhausts. It's, it's when toxins are heated up that they become a volatile organic compound. And those pass straight through HEPA filters and MER filters. So we're constantly breathing those in buildings. Wow. By combining and doing a multi-barrier approach and then making a beautiful space. Like it's, it's, it's just a different way about thinking about it. And I think HVAC systems have been the same, at least since the 80s. Like I'm, you know, dating myself now, but when I was a kid, we would just open the windows right you can't open windows anywhere anymore the the building I worked in for 14 years I had a completely closed floor so you're reliant on whatever the HVAC system is doing Mm -hmm. and you don't know what it's doing because you can't see poor air quality it's invisible so that's what we do with our air quality sensors Mm -hmm. is attempt to make the invisible a little bit more visible so you can know when the air quality is poor humans actually bring in a lot of volatile organic compounds on them Mm. Um, perfumes yes i i've said this before but like axe body spray i have three you know sons between 17 to 22 and one of them came home with axe body spray and i'm like you know that's a known carcinogen (laughs) like what are we doing, right? What are we doing? And uh, uh, regulations surrounding, you know, what we have as products on our shelves mm-hmm. would assist a lot to, to stop the problem at the source. Right, right. But it's a puzzle and we all do our piece uh, when we can. And you have created an incredible piece of that puzzle um, to clean air and 
future uh, ways of creating cleaner environments in the workplace and at home. So that is amazing to me and in such a fast time period. So I can only imagine what you're going to create in the future. Um, I guess parting words for, for our listeners, what's the biggest uh, piece of advice that you would give to a younger entrepreneur or someone who's starting out? Yeah, I know four years might sound quick, but four years is a long time. And it's a long time to keep the um, funding. You know, your brain is always thinking of a thousand things and there's always one new thing that keeps you up at night. Right. So I would, I would say, oh, figure out what you want to do. Get it started in your free time. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just jump in right away because, you know, if you saw my first pro formas when I started the company, I thought I'd be in full production in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, COVID threw a bit of a curveball my way, mm-hmm. but um, it's there's more to do and things take longer than you expect. So. Yeah. Get it started while you're still. Maybe have a paycheck from something. Yeah. Getting a paycheck, get it started, get the idea started, do your research, do your product market fit research, Right. determine who your customer is. Mm-hmm. Talk to those people because mm-hmm. um, you can't just sell it because you like it. Right. Um, in the beginning, we would go to facility well, actually so many other things before that, like it takes a long time to develop, but we would go to the facility manager. Well, the only people that I found that are like to say no more than lawyers are facility managers. Wow. Yeah. So, so then find your champions. Then we would, we'd go through sustainability or through human resources, the people who this is their job to find these things. And then we would get them to take us to the facility manager. Right. And that completely changed how we went about doing our business. So determining that, which is just a lot of research and a lot of conversations. But the biggest thing is like, once you start, just don't give up. Like there's so many times that people are just, especially in the beginning, just saying like, you can't do this. What are you talking about? I've had people tell me I should be growing food in it. Like, I'm like, oh, you're just going to change my entire business plan in five minutes. Right. Yeah. And and then once. Despite the fact that you've done all this research and scientific <laughs> backing. Yeah. Yeah. That will happen a lot. So you have to have a thick skin. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have several kind of of our core values, of course, sustainability, health and wellness, um, our team. But one of our biggest ones is, is grit. Like you've got to have that. I will never give up. Like at one point, I think when I was raising my last round and there was a couple times where, you know, it gets really scary. And I just wrote on the wall, like, I will not fail and underlined it like three times and had it stuck behind my computer and not giving up. I, I don't think entrepreneurs are people who don't fail. We fail all the time. We're, we're people who don't give up, right? We don't give up until we win (laughs) until it's done. Yeah, exactly. Well, it reminds me of um, those two turns of phrase about 
Uh, one is what's worth doing uh, if you knew you wouldn't fail? What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? But the even grittier one is what would be worth doing even if you did fail? Mm-hmm. And this feels this feels like, uh, and I think it was Brené Brown who says both of them, but this feels like something is so worth doing even if you failed. And because you've got the grit and the determination, you won't fail, but it's worth doing at any rate. It's incredible. And I hope that I hope that it blooms and <laughs> blossoms and pun intended uh, <laughs> to all all of um, you know our our spaces where people gather for clean air. Um, and I feel like it's just the beginning. Uh, so thank you so much for being here, sharing your story with us. And if um, where can we connect with you? I, I know I'll have your your links on the show notes. Um, but if somebody's listening and they want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Well, you can follow me on LinkedIn for sure and message me there. Or um, I'm always open to a conversation, especially with a young female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can put up my link at, at Susan at originair.com. Yes, I will. And we do right now we're doing a private front funder but we do have a front funder coming out to the public on September 14th okay great so if you're interested in the home unit you can also come where we we would love feedback we're still finishing up you know what's the perfect design mm-hmm. we already have the function done but it's no gr- no good if it works if people don't think it's pretty so I would love any feedback on the design and yeah. The other awesome part about front funder, um, you can invest in the company and you can be for a small amount of money, uh, an investor that can take the journey with us to oh, with, with our genetically enhanced plants. Who is that through then you say front funder? Yeah, it's through Kickstarter. Okay. So it, it will be coming out September 14th okay. and yeah, we'd love you to either be be a part of our team, be a part of our journey, be on our cap table, mm-hmm. or um, buy a home unit, bring yeah. bring the fresh air to your home, and that's fantastic. Yeah, that would be excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, we will keep our eye out for Kickstarter in September, September fourteenth. Um, we'll watch on your Instagram and connect with you there to watch this journey and potentially be a part of it. Thank you, Susan, for being here. Thank you, Lorena. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us at the Women Leading Change podcast. If you enjoyed today, please press subscribe and leave us a review. You can also join us inside our Facebook group, Women Leading Change. Until next time, keep being the change you wish to see.